everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 336, yeah. an update episode. Yeah. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, uh, you're like, what's up with the what's up with the, the glasses, Mike? The stunner shades. Actually, those aren't stunner shades. They're just vipers. These are my vipers, man. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say what it makes me look like wearing them, but I don't want to be offensive because I, I, I like them. I think they're cool. But also, I think a lot of people wear them ironically. It would have been cool if you got you like a mullet to put on. Yeah, that would have <laughs> been way cool. <laughs> um, maybe maybe I'll if I if I keep wearing pit vipers then maybe eventually I'll get a mullet, too. So uh, if you if you don't know why I'm wearing the pit viper. So I think last episode, maybe the episode before I was talking about the fact that I made a purchase on Timu Timu. Temu? Temu, T-E-M-U. Yeah, the new app that, uh, that or at Our least the growing... sponsor? Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, the growing app. And um, so anyways, um, I'll talk about that in a second. But this is our update episode. So we're going to talk about lots of things going on in our life, reselling wise. Uh, what's going on in the reselling world community. Give you some sweet bolos. Uh, and then kind of, you know, just, just updates. Things that we love to talk about. And this one I think is kind of important. So... Um, you mentioned on the, on the episode when I talked about these glasses coming in for like, I think I paid, it was under $6 free shipping. It was like five ninety or five seventy, and they have to be fake. Like I'm 99.99999. Okay. I'm a hundred percent sure they're fake. There have to be, there's no way they're not. Maybe they come from the same factory. Um, but a lot of the things that are sold on this Timu app, um, which all of you are probably familiar with at this point, if not go listen to our last episode, we kind of dived into it a little bit more. Uh, but a lot of the things that are on there are clearly knockoffs, clearly just kind of third party unbranded stuff. Um, but, but these glasses showed up and I was considering getting some off of Amazon that were not branded pit Viper. They like have some other word on there that kind of looks like pit Viper, but they're clearly like, that's their way of making sure like, well, it's not a knockoff, it's just a similar design. It's, you know, it's not a fake, it's not a forgery, you know, it's a, it's, it's just similar, but with the Timu ones, they actually say pit Viper on them. And so I was like, no way. Like they're 20 bucks on Amazon for the off, Mike loves these so much. He's retelling the same story. <laughs> so, um, but the reason I think that we got to be paying attention to this as resellers, other than the stuff we talked about last yes. time, is I mentioned that most things on there aren't branded. Like they have like little Lego minifigure type things, but they don't say Lego on them. But they're like, you know, like, like Star Wars Lego minifig things. So you could probably get them and think, oh, you know, this is, these are like Lego toys. You can get them for your kids. They're way cheaper. But what I do see that's concerning is... On their site, they have a lot of like Nintendo 64 game cartridges or Nintendo oh, DS. No. But if you look at the picture, I'll have to show you one. They're the the picture is blurred. So they blur the picture, but it'll say like Zelda game, and you can tell it's the gold cartridge or it's the, you know, yeah. this cartridge or the 007. Like they have the different games, but they like blur them and you can get them for pretty cheap, like under under 20 bucks. So what scares me is you used to go to a garage sale, and if you saw somebody with a old Zelda game an N64 Zelda game or an old, you know, uh, Game Boy game, you're like money, right? I'm buying that mm -hmm. thing. Because there were, there've been emulators forever, right? People have had emulators for a long time, but you knew if you were buying an emulator and you knew if you bought a game cartridge, it was legit. There are going to be now on the market, fake Nintendo 64 and Game Boy games. And so you're going to have to really know when you're at a garage sale, am I picking up an actual old school Zelda game or Super Mario game or am I picking up a fake that somebody bought off of Timu? Their kids played it for a little while and then they 
put it in their garage sale. And, and, and that could cause some issues, right? Because one, you're buying something that's actually not valuable and you're, you're, you might spend more money, might be paying up on it. Cause you're like, yeah, sure. I'll pay, you know, 20 bucks for this game. Cause they sell for like a hundred on eBay. And then turns out, no, you've got a fake or two, you sell it and somebody gets it and they know the difference. And then now you're being turned in for selling fakes. So you just got to be careful out there. I think there's going to be more. And I don't think a lot of people are going to do it nefariously. I think if you go to swap meets, you're going to find them, right? You're going to find the people who have a, 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 a table full of pit vipers and N64 games. And you're probably going to know these are probably all knockoffs. But if you're at a garage sale and you just see a box and there's an N64 game in it, nobody's thinking this might be a fake N64 game. Have you yeah. ever thought that when you saw an N64 game? So I have. And the reason I will tell you that is that fakes have been around for a while. Not readily available. Not readily available. So there, there's a difference because there is, there is a market out there for fake even NES games, fake uh, N64, fake Super Nintendo cartridges, all that. Mm. Chances are highly greater that you'll always find legitimate stuff than you'll find the fake. But like I- if you go to like some garage sale, right, and it's you know most of the time at a garage so it's just right. people that have stuff in like their garage or exactly. in their kids room right it's not somebody that's selling stuff on mass fake now they may have accidentally purchased a couple of fake things but i would say even now it's pretty safe but yes what you're talking about can be a very i would say jolting thing to the resale market because if you get bigger sellers that began to to sell these and the everyday person either one wouldn't know right or they don't care i mean how many times have i'm well your bit vipers are an example of that yeah. like i i don't care like it's funny because on on tiktok there's a big thing and we'll move on after we talk about this here um by the way we we don't do two update episodes in, in a row we're just doing it because it's, it's important right now Did, so. was our last one an update yeah it was it was oh. so uh, so the sneaker community has a major issue right now because there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, people call them dupes or people call them, um, there's a, there's a word for them. Rep- I don't know if they're repops or whatever it is. You can tell us in the comments, uh, of Nike shoes that are so well done. They're fakes, but they're so good. It's pretty hard to know if they're fake. Mm. Right. And there's actually places like in South America where like an entire mall is just fake stuff. Right. And you can also get stuff from China and other places. So are you, are you taking them off? Cause yeah, I'm not going to run a whole podcast right. with my, with my glasses. So yeah, if, you, if you're listening to podcasts, Mike just removed his, uh, his stun up pit vipers, but yeah, you got to be careful. This is why I will not touch very valuable sneakers unless it's something that I know for sure. I have not picked up a pair of Jordans, uh, at a garage sale or anything over a hundred bucks, unless I was a hundred percent, like 110% sure. Like I had to find, um, you know, and I, there's no certificate of authenticity. Right. But there, there's a chain, right. There's a chain of evidence as to, okay, when did you have these? Where'd you pick it up? And if all the right answers are, are coming my way, then I'll pick them up. But I've just been leaving them behind because with eBay's authenticity guarantee, you might think you have the most legitimate item and it's going to burn you. And eBay hits you hard if you get rejected in that authenticity guarantee. So, so there we are. All right. So, uh, you want to share first or do you want me to share first what's going on? Well, that was my first share. Oh, that was your share. That was, that was my first I part. That was just our intro. No, that was my first All part right. of my share. It was just, you know, just, uh, kind of, I've got my glasses now and I was talking about, you know, all that, all that goes with that. Uh, yeah. And so the other thing that's kind of 
new and ongoing in my life is if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I'm planning on moving. That's been something I've talked about many times. One thing I've noticed though, we've talked about the differences and, and a lot of our, our, you know, fellow discord members who are on our discord, uh, talk about the differences between being in a rural area versus being in an urban or being in a big city versus kind of being out. And there's pros and cons to both, right? Cost of living is going to be lower. You're out in a more rural area or different States. Um, but you know, depending on where you're at, you might not be able to source garage sales as often because of weather. And there's lots of different things that come up. Now, one thing I'm noticing at the area I'm planning on moving, I mean, I've done tons of research. I've researched the thrift stores that are there. I visited many of them last time I went to visit. Uh, And there's some real gyms. I think I'm going to be able to be somewhat successful. And a lot of people say, hey, thrift stores in smaller towns tend to have better prices. You know, you go to the big cities, you're going to LA, you're going to San Diego, you're going to New York, you're going to be finding thrift stores where the prices are outrageous. So we have that downside where it's not as easy for us to, to shop at a thrift store. Prices are pretty insane. Uh, so there's the benefit of that going to a rural area. Now, one of the downsides I'm noticing, because there's always trade-offs. It's not like it's all benefit being in one place or another. One of the downsides I've noticed is because I live in San Diego and, and kind of the greater San Diego area, like even though it's a big county, there's a lot of different little cities and subsidies within it. Um, nothing's that far away. You're looking at like a 30 minute drive, depending on where you live to pretty much any part of of San Diego County. And that opens up a ton of doors on Facebook marketplace and offer up and Craigslist. Now there's more competition. So there's a trade-off there, but I mean, you look up something, if you're, you're looking for oh, something, it's crazy you're going to find so many things. Like if I was like, uh, what about, I really want to get into selling uh guitar hero guitars. If I look up on offer up right now, guitar hero guitars on offer up, there's going to be tons of them or tons of guitar hero stuff in our area and I could find deals and I can wheel and deal and, and, and I can get into my, my niche. Now the smaller area where I'm looking at moving to, I've been like kind of browsing <laughs> their, uh, their offer up and their Facebook marketplace. And it's so dead comparatively. Like yeah. now I'm, I'm worried about that in some ways because a lot of my sourcing comes from local deals, mm-hmm. but then I'm trying to imagine the trade-off has to be, and let us know, let us know if you live in an area that's smaller. If, if you live in a really small town, you probably have no scene on offer up. But if you, I mean, where I'm moving, it's going to be like 150, 200,000 people population. That's still decent size. It's a small, small city, but it's not like, you know, there's 5,000 people that live in my city. Um, But if you live in something that size, or maybe let us know in the, in the, in the comments below, like what's the population of where you live, kind of the greater area that you can drive to and how is your local deals with OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist. And that way we can get a good idea of like, is, is it better? Because maybe you'd say, yeah, there's way less things on my offer up, but there's almost no competition. I could pretty much snag anything I want because there's not as many people looking for it. Or maybe it's maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's just less items and and still a pretty decent amount of competition. So uh, I'm kind of interested to know people who've kind of have different experiences. You're in a different place. Let us know in the comments below what your experience is with local deals, offer up Facebook marketplace. I've seen some people in the discord say there must be something wrong with my offer up because I search for something and there's like no new listings. All the listings are like two, three months old. It could just be that you live in a really small area that just doesn't have a lot of people using it. So it'll be an interesting trade-off. Maybe better thrift store uh, prices, maybe not as many opportunities for local deals, or maybe I just have to shift the types of, you know, the niche that I'm in and I'll be able to do just fine because there's less competition of resellers trying to buy up all the stuff on OfferUp and Facebook Marketplace. I think it's going to be all of it in the sense that, yes, there's plenty out here, but I would say... At least 80% of people on, on OfferUp and Facebook Marketplace here are resellers. Like every, every, every single item there is being sold for top dollar. 
Like there, it's very hard. I mean, you have to be on it to find the deals. And Mike and I find deals all the time, but that's because Mike and I are consistently looking, right? If you're just now, it has happened where I randomly like go, I wonder if I could find something. And sure enough, I find stuff just randomly. But it's pretty wild out here. It's crazy. The other day I was on Craigslist and somebody had listed a Lego Cloud City set, new in box sealed with the plastic wrapping. If you're wondering what that set is, it's the one that has the Boba Fett that sells for two to three thousand dollars. And it's new in box. And somebody was trying to sell it on Craigslist for $7,000. I'm like, no one, no one is going to buy that. Now, now I could be wrong. I could be wrong because for example, I had mentioned two weeks ago uh, that I went to a garage sale and it's uh, somebody that listens to podcasts and they're a reseller and they had sold all their vintage stuff. And they told me that people from Arizona came over knowing that he had his garage sale. And based on the pictures, they bought up all the stuff. Hmm. I think just we have crazy competition here. So I think the advantage for you is you will have competition, but it's not going to be anywhere close to what we have here. Yes, it will be limited in what there is, but I think there's still going to be an opportunity. It's all about how much you know, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a trade off. It's it's, you know, in one hand, you've got tons of tons of opportunity, but tons of of competition. The other hand, you have less opportunity, less competition. So the, the, there's going to be a tipping point, though, of you got to find that sweet spot. It's like finding your net, your net salary or your net income is you got the gross and then you have all of your expenditures and then that's where you end up. So you can't just look at that bottom line numbers. You can't just look at how many listings are available or how many garage sales are in an area. Now you could be in the bad situation where you've got very few garage sales, very few thrift stores that are overpriced. The ones that are there and not a huge market. And then also tons of competition. Mm-hmm. Like that's worst case scenario. Best case scenario is obviously tons of opportunity, no competition. So you, you really got to find what's sweet and every area is going to be different. So you can't, it's not apples to apples, but uh, yeah, I'm interested. I mean, it'd be cool just to see in the, in the comments below, like if people are like, yeah, my town is, you know, 500,000 and Facebook marketplace is amazing. Or, you know, I live in 20,000 and it's awful. Like that way we kind of can get an idea of like where, where is the trade off? And you don't have to say where you live. Cause if you, if you live in the, in, if you've got the sweet spot, if you're like, I am the only reseller in this huge area and I just make millions, don't tell us where that is, but it's, you know, it'd be kind of cool. It's just funny you say that. Cause I have so much pressure, including from you to move out of California. Right. I, I have friends in the Midwest and they're always telling me like, move out to Wisconsin, move out to Indiana, come out to Illinois, like all these places. And I'm a pretty like I, I don't like change. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm not moving. You know, now if things get financially super interesting, then maybe it'll be on the table. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's one of those questions that you always have to ask yourself, like, can I as a reseller and especially if you're full time, can you go to somewhere else and have the same opportunity? I think at a certain point, if you have enough knowledge, I think you can make it almost anywhere. Unless you're in a place where, you know, it's it's like 20 miles of gravel road to, to get to your place. Like, and then then it's kind of interesting. Like, I almost moved to a part of uh, Colorado where uh, there was no paved roads for about, I think it was like 10 miles. And the nearest target was like an hour away. And I wasn't going to, I was a teacher at that time. But I was like, I, there's no way I would want to live here right. as a teacher, let alone as a reseller. So you got to, you got to weigh both. Now, things have been interesting over here on my end. It's been raining. Like I haven't seen so much rain ever in California. I don't think ever. Yeah. And it's a, it's funny. Cause yeah, a couple months ago it was, we're in a drought. We're never going to recover. World is ending. So now there's so much rain that there's like mudslides in places. And they're like, there's so much rain. There's too much water. We're never going to be able to recover. It's just like the pendulum has definitely 
And I mean, the other day I was at a garage sales. I went so and it was raining and I had to drive through. Like I had to worry if my car was going to make it over a, a flooded road. It was kind of crazy. I know Mike and I do live out like in country kind of. So it, that's why it's kind of like that. We don't live in the urban center. Uh, but so I've been I've been pretty much sourcing at home. I know that sounds weird, but Mike, you know, you have talked about how I have so much stuff. And here's the funny thing. All the stuff you pointed out to, I haven't even touched yet since you last talked. But I've been in my other um, eBay room and I've been just taking stuff out and sourcing and listing. And it's pretty interesting. Uh, what I've learned in this is that you really cannot source things you you don't care about. You just can't. Because I have, I want to say at least one to 300 items that I have no desire to list at all. It's, it's, it's painful. And you, you want to talk about reseller burnout. I think that's what causes reseller burnout. Not one of many reasons is the fact that when you're sourcing things and you're just sourcing it because it's for profit or because you, somebody ended up giving you a huge deal and you bought everything right now. Like I'm just, I'm just tired of listing that stuff. It just, it, it bores me. I feel like I'm, I'm working. I know it sounds terrible, but I've always said the reason I love recently is I don't feel like I'm working. And so when it becomes something that I feel like it's a job, like, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. Now I, I have to do it because it's the way I pay my bills, the way I take care of my kids. And so on the positive end, sales have been up in the last week or so sales went up. It's kind of weird because eBay is broken in the sense that the 90 day total on the app is not even close to the 90 day total on the desktop. And then the 90 day total, even when I'm making sales, keeps getting lower. And maybe it's because I had a higher like yeah, first, second off. month, but it's like a massive drop off. So I don't know. I, I think so. I don't want to say eBay tries to make you like feel good about selling eBay, but it's, it's funny because you have to remember that 90 day total includes shipping, includes everything. Right. So you may look at a total and go, yeah, things are going really well, but they may not be. Yeah. Right. And so. I'm just going on the basis of like, I'm just looking at every single item I'm selling. And if I'm selling with great margins, I'm good. And if I'm selling uh, enough, you know, per day, I'm good. And so things have picked up uh, the early beginnings of, of February and pretty much the whole month of February really put me in a bad place. Uh, but I, I th things are rebounding in March. Now, it's interesting because people in the comments, uh, people on social media, I've seen some YouTube videos, people are saying, well, it's not that things are bad. It's that we're back to normal, back to, you know, uh, pre pre, uh, you know, that time. And, and, and I'm like, okay, that that's great. But actually, no, that's not true either. Things are worse. We have inflation. Cost of living has gone up in every aspect in, in groceries and in, in vehicles and gas. Uh, I was looking at, you know, when some people were saying that, Hey, we're, you know, you gotta compare this year to 2021, which I thought was interesting. Um, I would say you need to probably need to go back to 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because that last episode where we were talking about that, we were kind of saying that, hey, eBay's eBay's total sales, their their gross sales for items that sold on eBay value has gone down like around 12%, but their fees went up. And so I think it is true that it's hard to compare because there, there are going to be really good years or good times. Like just like you can't compare Q4 to Q1 because those numbers are different. One year is not necessarily going to be the same as as the the year before the come upcoming year. However, what I think we're we were trying to the point we were trying to make was the fact that they they're selling less 
items on eBay, fewer valuable items or the total value of items sold on eBay is down, but their income has gone up. Like that's where I think the point we're trying to make is Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. I mean, I expect a company to have a year where they go up 20, 30%. And then over the next couple of years, maybe they go down 10, 12% and it kind of levels out. But then over time you're looking at a trend line. So that's fine. But if you're in like a dip where it's like, oh, we're doing less and less and less, but as a company, we're making more and more and more. That's where things get like questionable. And we know with eBay, the way they're making that money is from us. Like, so our fees are covering the cost of fewer items being sold. Yeah, true. And the point I was trying to make on a personal level was like, yeah, I, I can't, you shouldn't, and I'm not satisfied with the normal. I mean, my, my cost of living, you know, has my, my rent has tripled since since that time okay my my electricity has doubled my my car payments has stayed the same but um you know my my kids are older and so i have a lot more expenses than before i mean you 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 think it's cheap when you know you think it's expensive when you have a kid that's one to five wait till they're a teenager and then clothing is a lot more expensive. Yeah. And it increases and, in groceries and all and that. Gro- really yeah. Stuff. My, my 11 year old, like I used to be able to get away with like getting him the kids meal at Chili's and he's a big boy. And now it's like, dad, can I just get the adult meal? I'm really hungry. And he's always trying to eat off his brother's food. And that, that automatically that's a double right in that meal. And I, and I know it's a very micro way of looking at it, but you add all those micros, it adds up. So to me, scaling is non-negotiable. Like I can't, I can't settle back and go, ah, you know what? I guess I had it good. I'm just, you know, I just need to accept reality. I will, I refuse to accept that reality. I need to improve. I need to get better. My sales have to go up. And if they don't go up, then I got to figure things out. And so I encourage you guys don't settle. Don't go, well, you know, I had it good and I'm just going to get used to the fact that this is actually how things were. No, no, don't accept that. Uh, and, and if, and if, you know, your cost of living has gone up. You got to look at everything, right? You, you may be at a negative, not just in back to normal, but you may be at a negative if you throw in inflation and the cost of everything that's gone up. Now, on a positive end, I got to tell you, this ending item so similar, it works. I, I thought it was all fanciful, but... Wait, you thought it was fanciful? We talked about it well, and, no, no. And, and told people they should no, do it. No, no, no. Before that, I did. And then once eBay directly told me this is what you have to do. I was like, okay, I'll try it. And now I am using it and I've been selling all kinds of stuff that has not seen the light of day in years. Stuff I don't even remember having. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I have about 4,000 items in my store, but I'm at 3,700 something. And I, I do this for about 50 items pretty much every night. And then so similar and it's worked. And it's worked. And if you're wondering what we're talking about is so eBay recommends anything that has not sold within 90 days that you end and sell similar. Obviously, don't do it all at once. Make sure, you know, you don't shock the system and the algorithm. Make sure you just do a certain amount and you just keep consistent to that amount. And what that'll do is it, it'll make your listing as if it's brand new. Like it's, it's as if you're listing every day. Yeah. And be selective with it. Like if you've got an item, maybe it's at day 95 but it's got six yeah. watchers on it and a lot of activity and you've had a few offers. You just didn't take them. I wouldn't end that one and then relist that one. Correct. I'm doing the ones that are like, like stale. It's like, eh, didn't work. And typically if I'm redoing the listing, maybe not all of the items, but if I'm doing the sell similar, 
I'm probably going to make some changes, like maybe a little bit. Maybe I'm going to lower my shipping price if you've got fixed shipping price, or maybe go to free shipping if you aren't don't have free shipping, or maybe just adjust your price 10%, 5%, like adjust things. Because if you've got, I'd rather make 10% less on an item tomorrow than have an item and make that 10% two years from now. Because yeah, well, that's nothing. At the rate that we're going now, of course. So, all right. Any random stories? Yeah. So I don't know how it ended up being in my classroom, but I was doing listings. I was doing the, the, the sell similar and listing sell similar. And I'm trying to get my eBay store really moving again. Um, and so I was at work like right before I went on paternity leave. And some of the items that I picked up at a thrift store one day, I must've been like on a lunch break or I, I got a, I got off work early. So I went to a thrift store and I bought like five comic book, like the, the, the volumes where it's like pretty much the whole story arc in one thick. So it's like a real thick comic book style comic. And I picked up like five of them for, I don't know, 50 cents each or something like that. And I saw they sell for like five to 10 bucks and it was just a slow day. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy these, whatever I'll list them. And they were sitting in my car for a while. And finally one day I was like, Oh, it's getting hot outside. I'm going to take these into my classroom and then I'll take them home, you know, today or later. And I totally forgot them. And then they were, I had them, some student, one of my students grabbed them and put them like on my, my library in my classroom. So the other day, and I had never listed them. Oh my goodness. So, so right before paternity leave, I see them and I'm like, Oh, I should just list some new things. So I grabbed them and I threw them on my desk during my, my, my prep period. And I took picture, removed background, looked real good. Did a couple as auctions, couple not as auctions. Like, I just want to like, just get some items listed. And I left them in my classroom. And then I'm like, I got to bring them home before I go on paternity leave. So I put them in my computer bag, took them home. None of them sold. And then I forgot that I only did some of them auction. I thought I did all of them as auctions. And so I just ended the auctions. I'm like, cause I had them listed for like 99 cent auctions with like $3 shipping. Yeah. So I'm like at this point, like it's just, I'm just going to end these auctions. I took them back cause they were in my computer bag. I took them and I left them on my desk at school. I'm on paternity leave again for another week. And literally during the weekend, like it was Friday night. I had left from school. I get home Saturday morning. One of them sells. Nice. And I'm like, Oh no, like I'm on paternity leave now. Like, so then over the weekend I had to like call up my, my principal and say, like, oh, Hey, man. I left something in my classroom. Can you turn the alarms off on the school? And so like, I had to like arrange a time to get on campus for him to turn the alarms off for me to go in the room, to go get it for a $5 sale because it was like three ninety nine shipping. Spent more in gas. I spent more in gas for sure than I made on the sale, but I can't let the sale go through. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. cause I had already turned off and I'm like, of all the things in my store to sell, there's like four items at my school and only two of them were listed, not auction that I just forgot to like end them or whatever. And it had to be one of those that sold like unbelievable. So it's like super random that like I've got hundreds of items in my store and the one that sold was something I had to go and like, pick up and it made the sale totally not worth it. Really frustrating. But I was like, well, if nothing else, here's the way I look at things now when crappy stuff happens with reselling. I'm like, at least I got a story for the podcast. <laughs> at least I got a story for the podcast. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I, I resent selling anything under $10. Yeah. It's just, it's brutal. Like sometimes, you know, somebody will offer me something like it's a $15 item and they're offering me nine bucks and I probably should take the sale, but I'm like, no, like I have to get up. I have to go pack it. I have to no, like I'm not gonna do that. Like my time is not worth it. That was not worth it. Yeah, you gotta be selling in volume for that to work. Like I wouldn't yeah. mind selling those books because by the time it's all said and done, because it's media mail, it's super cheap 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 to ship, I probably am gonna net a dollar on it. 
not worth it. I, I don't think you will with the gas though. No, yeah, for sure. After you consider gas, I've lost. But like, so doing that sale, doing sales like that is absolutely not worth it. But if you, if that's what you did and you were selling hundreds of those a day. Yes, yes, yes. And you've got your system set up where you just pull them, you, you bag them, you send them, and you get one trip to the post office every day for with the, you know, 50 to hundred of them that you're selling. I wouldn't mind doing low price sales if if you're moving items in, in bulk and it was easy to do. They're easy to ship, you know, something like a comic book, but yeah, bummer. Yeah, that happened to me. I seven years ago, I sourced a box full of uh magnets, fridge magnets. And this was before I was like, you know, before the podcast and everything. Oh, I remember you had yeah, I remember, you remember those magnets? Those. I remember you talking about them on like early, early podcast. Early, right? Yeah. And I paid ten dollars for it and I made hundreds of dollars. Well, the other day I randomly saw them in one of my totes with my shoes. And I'm like, what is this? And I looked on eBay and, and none of them were listed. And so I listed them again. And sure enough, I sold one magnet for $15 plus shipping. Nice. And I sold another set for like $9 plus shipping. But it was worth it to me because I already made tons of money on the yeah. magnets. And it took me literally two minutes maybe to pack it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so easy. So anyways, yeah. So then it's worth it. All right. So I got I got two interesting th stories here before we get into our reseller topic. Oh, before we move on, though, if you have not been, you know, getting ready uh, to do your taxes. And I know if you're in California, you have that, you know, that delay till October because of the flooding. Um, you should check out my reseller genie. You know, on the Discord, somebody recently said, hey, I was wondering if I should uh, sign up for my reseller genie. And my response was, do you have any kind of bookkeeping? Because if you, you're not doing any kind of bookkeeping, my reseller genie is definitely, I believe, the solution for you. Yeah. And my favorite part of that Discord conversation was it wasn't just us mentioning it. Um, so they basically said, like, has anybody else actually tried it? Like, you know, and, and had success with it. And yeah, other people were like, yeah, we tried it and we love it. We love like, it's actually worth the, the you know, the extra cost that it does this because it automatically imports the stuff from eBay right into the thing. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, so it's, it's good validation too, because obviously we can try something and go, man, this is great. Yeah. But true. that doesn't mean that like, it's, it's great for everybody. So to see other people, other resellers that we trust saying like, yeah, totally worth it. And yeah. it, it validates for sure that it's a great program. So we're, we're telling you this, uh, I mean, obviously we have our affiliate link and all that, but the reality is we want to help you guys out. Mike and I have been very big that we will not promote anything on our podcast, uh, whether it be from skull shavers that keep your dome, uh, nice and uh, nice and clean, uh, to American bubble boy, to my reseller genie, which we know is a great product. So if you are trying to find a way to do your bookkeeping, that is very reseller friendly. I believe it's the greatest product out there right now for as far as reseller friendly because it's made by resellers uh you should check them out so go to my reseller genie go to our link below and use our promo code uh, pure hustle all caps get 15 percent off your first month and uh, hopefully it'll help you get everything in line so check them out yeah all right so i'm gonna report back i don't know if you remember this but in early in january i wanted to see if i could sell beanie babies oh man okay so I went to a garage sale and I paid $20 for a, a bunch of new tags, beanie babies that were in plastic cases. Like these were well preserved. And I just wanted to know. And I had people in, in, in Instagram on Instagram DM me going, Orlando, just put these at 25, 35 uh, and they'll sell, you know, like bread and butter. And I listed all of them. I listed, I think, like 40 Beanie Babies. And I did all kinds. I did $1 auctions. I did high priced with best offer. I did low price with best offer. I, I, I did every possible thing 
And you know how many Beanie Babies I've sold since January? A thousand. Zero. Oh, bummer. Zero. And here's what I learned in this research. Every single time I went to look for comps, every single Beanie Baby has multiple thousand dollar comps. Every single one. Every single one. Whether it be the octopus or the Princess Diana or the Maple Bear, whatever it is, somebody has sold one for ten to fifteen thousand to eighty thousand dollars. And guess what? Every single one of those has zero feedback. But then the other thing though is are there do they have comps in the ten to forty dollar range? No. So then that's what I'd be like. So I mean, so yeah. it's usually like one to ten dollar range. Okay. There there are a few that have like twenty dollars. I'll say there's a there's a few, a handful that have like twenty dollars. But even then, even then, I didn't get a single offer. No one asked me a question. And here's what's crazy. Pretty much every single beanie baby out there that's listed is new with tags. I wonder how many were made. Like, think about that. Like I, 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 when I had like maybe like but people didn't remove tags from Beanie Babies. Like some people did, but I feel like I feel like Beanie Babies became more of a collector thing than so they were. So kids never touched them, I guess. Well, there. So it's like I think probably for every one or two of them that were used as toys, there's probably at least that many or more that people were like, "I'm saving this. I'm never taking. They're worth money. I'm buying these for my kids, but they're worth money, so we're gonna put them up on the shelf." And they're because most people, like even us that had the tags, like we had. I remember as a kid, we got some Beanie Babies and we were pretty much everybody knew like, don't take the tags off the Beanie Babies. That that's where the money is, the tag. I mean, I'm, a, I'm like an 11 year old kid thinking like, yeah, you got to keep this tag on this thing. I know. It's like Funko Pops now. So it's I don't like, know if I'd call it like a new with tags. Don't, don't open the Funko Pop. Put it on the shelf. Yep. And now Funko Pops have become the new Beanie Babies. That's right. It's crazy. But so due to my highly, you know, um, research scientific work of Beanie Babies, I can tell you. It is an absolute scam. Yeah. Peer reviewed research. Yes. It's scam, 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 scam. And it's funny because eBay knows, eBay has to know it's a scam. Like, but eBay reported that one of their hottest items selling were Beanie Babies back in December. So eBay's numbers were way off. They might have had like, you know, a huge amount of, you know, eBay sales, but it was all money laundering. It was, you know, something, you know, I, I do know that uh, people sell things that they shouldn't sell via Beanie yeah. Babies, yeah. right? Sometimes some of that, those yeah. things. So you got money laundering or just like a bait, not a bait and switch is not the right term, but yeah, like if I, I know that if I go on, I buy this VHS, certain black diamond VHS and the price is exactly $142.13 that what I'm actually going to get in the box is going to be, you know, something that I can ingest and make me feel good. Or, you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. that that's what happens. I think with some of those, it has to be, it has to be. All right. Hey, uh, and I think I'm going to have to apologize, uh, to a buyer. And I, I just, even sitting here in this podcast, I was thinking about this. So I have been running sales and I've been running coupons. And sometimes uh, either I forget that I have certain items that I didn't have a best offer on. I don't know how it happened. Maybe I did sell somewhere and I didn't change it. Uh, and about a, uh, two weeks ago, I had somebody that was, they negotiated pretty hard on something and I kind of didn't want to sell it, but I was like, fine, I'll let it go. And I agreed on a certain price. Well, I wanted to make sure they paid right away. So I went and I revised the price. And they bought it. And then 
I noticed in the details that they used the coupon and it ended up being lower than the price I agreed upon. So I got really annoyed and I, I canceled the sale and I messaged them. I said, Hey, we agreed to these terms. You bought it at this price. I'm sorry. I'm not selling this. And for the last three weeks, they've been messaging me like every three days, like, Hey, I don't know what went wrong. You know, I wasn't trying to do anything, you know, shady. Uh, this is a very important item for me. And I understand it's a, it's a very, it's a, like a NFL, like a Super Bowl blanket from like the eighties. Right. So maybe there is some sentimental, you know, thing to this. And so I just ignore, like when people, when people do me wrong, I just ignore people. Like I'm just done with them. That, that sounds like, yeah, maybe some trauma from your childhood that it you could, shut off it, when somebody, uh, a little bit of conflict and I'm just kidding. This no, is a therapy am, session, Pure Russell podcast, psychology one-on-one. I am a war general. Like people are dead to me. Like I, I don't, I don't play those games. Like don't cross me once. And so unless you're my kid, then, you know, I love my kids. So. I recently when right before this podcast had was willing and dealing with somebody on stuff and and I told them in the messages, all right, I'll revise the price because for some reason they they said I can't send you an offer. And I looked and best offer wasn't on. So I said, OK, I'll revise the price, but do not use the coupon. We agreed on this price. I, I on two items, I told them, don't do it, don't do it. Sure enough, they bought it. And I looked at the details and both had used the coupon on both. They used a coupon on both items. And I looked at Mike, I'm like, dude, what is, what is going on? Why are people so shady? And you, I don't know what you said, but something triggered in me and said, maybe eBay automatically puts the coupon code on there. But it's weird because when I buy stuff from eBay, I have to insert the coupon code. Mm. So either this person is being shady with me or Maybe this is the way things work now that like if you have a public coupon, it automatically gets applied to your items. No, no. You know what? I don't think that's true either. Maybe because I've sold all kinds of stuff without coupons. I mean, it, it could be, though, they have like a an extension on their computer that automatically applies coupons that are available. And maybe it, it works for eBay because they have those. right? Like you buy something on Amazon or you buy something on Walmart and if there are coupons available, like it searches and finds them. I can't remember what those things are called, but there's a few different like Chrome extensions that do that. Um, but the real question is, especially if you had this issue, like why didn't you just make it a, a, a best offer again? Because if you make it a best offer, they can still use the coupon. Okay. So then the other thing then is, Oh no, no, no they can't. They can't. If I do best offer, they can't use the coupon. Yeah. You should have done it through best offer. The other thing that, that you could do. So if you're in a situation where you don't have best offer on, and this takes work and it would, wouldn't be worth it for small value things. And we were talking about this too, is you're selling something for a hundred dollars. Somebody wants it for 80. You, you agree upon that price, but you also have like a 10% off coupon available. Well, what you would have to do is you'd have to do the math of, okay, they're going to apply this coupon. So what do I have to sell it for? You got to find X, right? Like, what do I have to sell this for? Make the offer for so that when they apply and get 10% off of that number, it's going to equal 80. And that's yeah. extra work, yeah. you know, like, but that is a way of, of protecting yourself and just saying like, Hey, perfect. I'll accept 80. Uh, the offer is going to be for, you know, $88 or whatever it ends up being. And then you have a 10% off coupon, which will bring the price down to this value. Yeah. And you know, I've had this happen multiple times before, but the dollar value was so small. It didn't matter. You know, like this time I'm going to lose three, $8. Right. And, and the sale is, you know, I'm going to make like $50 net. So not that big of a deal. 
I mean, it should it should be a big if this happened all the time, it'd be a big deal. But but you you're willing to cancel it over that? It just again, don't cross me. That that's my thing. It's 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 the injustice that that gets to me. So let let us know in the comments. So here's the thing: if I get ten people that say sell the blanket, I will sell the blanket. If I don't get ten, I won't sell it. I mean, this poor guy. After this long weeks, they've been trying to get it. They've bought it twice. You've canceled it on them. No, once they bought it Man. once. All right, all right, all right. Hey, um, yeah. So that's my uh, my stories. Hey, by the way, uh, a great place that we always get feedback is on the Discord, right? Sometimes you know we throw it out here uh, on the podcast, and we're looking for a comment. Uh, but our Discord, you know, we Mike and I aren't just the only ones answering questions. We have some people with authority. In that Discord, I, I I think of some sellers, and I'm like, wow, every every got the experience. Yeah, everything sure. that person says, I, I'm here to listen. And so, if you haven't had a yet a chance to support us on Patreon, uh, please do so. Go on over to Patreon.com/slash Pierce Podcast or go to the link below for five fifty five a month. You can help continue uh, Pierce Podcast, allow us to give uh, you know free content without a cost. You know, I would love to be in a place where we have so many people on Patreon that we don't even have to run ads, right? Mm. Now that's going to require a lot, but it, it would be beautiful. So that, that's our, that, that I would say that's my end goal. I don't know if it's Mike's, uh, but part of the benefits of, of signing up for the Patreon is getting access to the discord. So if you haven't yet go to the link below, uh, sign up five fifty five a month and uh, you can join us in the discord. Yeah. Are you ready to talk about some important things here? Let's do it. Is the world coming to an end? At least the financial world. And uh, let's see what else. New tag is no industry standard and only required. I don't uh, take buyer pick. We're going to talk about a lot of things on eBay. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to read the stuff. I put shorthand notes for myself. Yeah. Yeah. We got to see. I read everything that's on the teleprompter, man. <laughs> and I'm trying to, but I'm trying to process what you wrote. Hey, Anyways, it started off you know really what? strong. If here's our commander thing. in chief can't read a teleprompter, we're good. Here, Here's the thing, guys. Give me some credit for the fact that I started really strong on that and, and like and some encouragement that it's okay that I fumbled the end. We all make mistakes. It's okay. All right. Hey, so some serious stuff here. This kind of jolted me a little bit. So obviously it's been all over the news. And if you don't watch the news, um, we had this. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, you we had the second news. largest uh, bank run slash failure in the history of the United States this, this past weekend this past friday All right so silicon valley bank it's like a tech startup bank uh lost billions and billions of dollars uh and only three percent of people's money were insured and the bank collapsed now i'm not we don't want to talk about all that part the part i want to talk about is the fact that as a result of this some companies who had their money in silicon valley bank were in a predicament, right? They couldn't do payroll. They they couldn't, you know, do payouts. And one of them was Etsy. And so Etsy uh, was it was it was in a tough place. Now this didn't apply to every Etsy seller. We had some people reach out to us on social media to say, "Hey, we didn't get that letter. Our payouts were fine." Other people are like, "Yeah, we got that letter. Uh, we couldn't, you know, we didn't get our money. I wasn't able to pay my bills." And so it hit a lot of people. And I, you know, obviously now, you know. Um, I'm trying to be kind here. Uh, government out of the, you know, out of the abundance of the money supply that is out there said they were going to cover every single depositor. And so as a result of that, everybody's going to be fine. Everything's fine. The economy was like going to be destroyed. And now 
everything's golden. Like we're going to be in another bull run. It's going to be an age of decadence. Yeah. It's okay. It's not that big. I think the way to look at it though, is like sometimes like we can, you, we could all debate and I, everybody's going to have different ideas yeah. of like, of how things should have been handled. And I think there's a lot of benefit. The thing is like, if somebody's dying and like the only option is like to amputate the leg, right. Or something like that. It's like, all right, this is a terrible thing that's going to happen, potentially have long-term effects. However, given the other alternative, like we've got to do something. So I think we're kind of in a position like that where, you know, we're something had to be done. And some people will look at it and say like, Oh, there's not going to be any fallout from this. And others people are going to look and, and, and recognize that there's going to be potential long-term effects and could have other effects cascading throughout the economy. But the reality is like something had to be done. Like we're in a really cruddy position, no matter what you think about our banking system, like there, there are problems. And so this is something that like came up and yeah, I mean, it, it is going to potentially have, it clearly had an impact on some sellers, right? Yeah. So that's time. what I wanted to go back to. I, the, the bigger thing is I want to say, I don't know what's going to happen anymore. Right. I had been very, you know, even the last podcast, I said, hey, I think we're going to be in a place of hurt here in a few months. I think we got to be careful. We got to shore up. You know, if you have any credit card debt from reselling, if you don't have a, you know, six months emergency fund or a year emergency fund, uh, if you just started full time reselling, make sure you have everything in order. And I still encourage all of you to do that. But I want to tell you, I, I. I personally, as as a history guy, as as a person that's <laughs> lived enough life, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe, you know, everybody, you know, will get everything equally according to their need. Now, this thing with Etsy had me thinking about what would I do? What would I do if eBay just said, hey, oh, in case you missed what I was trying to say. So Etsy was unable to pay some people out. And uh, for a short period of time, for a it short period, it, it wasn't like, hey, sorry, you lost. There's still money. some people waiting. But and and even on that note, there are even people last week that it wasn't reseller related, but couldn't get their money out of Wells Fargo. Like they weren't getting their like their deposits didn't show up in Wells Fargo. And I thought about, you know, what if this happened to eBay, which I don't think it will happen to eBay. I think eBay is a super large entity. I think they have plenty of cash reserves based on their uh, recent earnings report. And so I think we'd be okay with eBay. But what would I do? Right, I'm a full-time seller. I I highly depend on eBay, right? Daily payouts, I need them, right? Daily payouts, take care of my bills, take care of groceries, take care of all that. I don't know though. Like, I mean, okay, so I get that there are some people who need daily payouts, but I don't feel like you're exactly there right like because i mean i feel like you've got enough you got enough capital you've got enough savings you've got enough you're good to go where because i mean i try and do my finances where and everybody's different situation but ideally you've got enough where you cover your expenses for the month up front with your with your savings with your all the stuff you've got going and then as ebay funds come in then you just make it like a paycheck every two weeks i pull out or every whatever i pull out you can make it a daily but if you're like i have to pull i hope something sells today so that I can pull out no, the no, money no, from no. the thing that sold so that I can get gas in my car. Like that's a, that, but the, some people are in that place, you know, that's what I mean. Like, yes, I think six months out and I, I begin to get concerned when I start looking and going, okay, now I'm five months good, or maybe I'm four months good. And then it bounces back to I'm six months good. So you're not really so reliant on daily payment. Like you could go like, Hey, eBay payment is going to be delayed a week this month. One yeah. Time. Yeah. But yeah, I I am. I am, but I don't ever want to be in that place. Like so so what do you do if you're in that place, right? So this is all things we all need to be thinking about, 
right? Because I, I think this is the first time ever that I I actually had to think about, okay, what if eBay for whatever reason, not because I've had slow sales, I think sales will continually come through, but what if that income source comes through? What do I do? Do I, do I end up going to the Swami, right? Do I sell all my stuff at Swami if I need to in the temporary, right? Get that quick cash, right? Do I sell and whatnot to get that quick cash? Do I do a garage sale? Do I do local deals? Like these are you, I, what I'm, what I'm thinking now is as a result of this, it had me think of, I need to come up with another contingency plan. Like what are the items? Like I need to have a set of items that if anything were to go South, I can quickly sell, right? I can move. Wouldn't it be better though, just to like, if you're, you're almost using it as like a emergency fund, those items, because those items still aren't going to be liquid. Like it's still going to be like, so wouldn't it be better just to sell them, get the money, get actually get some liquidity and then just like put it in an envelope. But I'm again, I'm talking about, yeah, I, I, yes. But I'm talking to the, the people out there that are in that place. Right. Yeah. I understand that. I get that. This is why I've always pushed savings. This is why I've always pushed, you know, invest your money, uh, you know, all those different things. But I'm talking there are people, there are people out there that yes, daily payouts are a thing. And many of you that listen to us are a thing. And, and, you know, I'm not going to get on this high horse and go like, Oh yeah, you know, you should think better and you should do this. Like people don't want to hear that. Like I, I'm just, I, and I know it because when you're in a bad place, you just want options. You don't want to be told you should have, could have, you want to be told this is what you need to do now. And we had somebody on the discord that was going through this too. And so I encourage all of you to think worst case scenario, to think if, what if that six months does dry up? What if you have nothing left? What, what if, you know, you have to make this money and what, what if an EMP goes <laughs> and there is no more eBay for a while and there is no more Etsy. Like, what are you going to do now? Granted at that time, we're, we're going to be in a dystopian society and we'll have to figure things out differently. Okay. Uh, but I, I want to encourage all of you to think outside of that box. I don't have it completely figured out, but I, I know that, you know, what, what if there was a bank run? What if all my money in my bank, I lost access to what if tomorrow I wake up and my bank account is gone? Yeah. Right. I mean, what do you do? What do I do then? How do I get cash quickly? The hard part, though, is so I think you can prepare for some things. I think I think the the trick is be prepared for the most likely things that that could happen. Have some money, have some some cash on hand, have some things that like maybe some items that are liquid and can sell. But I mean, I wouldn't count like on my my Beanie Baby collection, even if they were (laughs) selling hot. You know what I mean? Like even if they're selling hot of like, hey, if we're in Mad Max world now where gasoline is the most, you know, gasoline and food and water, like the most important resources you could possibly get. Like none of the things I have in my eBay store are going to be that valuable. Right. So the hard part is like we can you can do the what ifs. On anything like what if an asteroid comes and like hits earth <laughs> and what if what if there's another like see i just think you can't be too concerned about those things i do think that like there's a, a conversation that needs to be had about the banking system and what kind of protections are in place and what people are going to do and 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 it's smart for people to be thinking about stuff but at the same time i don't i would hate for something like this to be like for people to panic on their day-to-day life because if you you can get like we talked about like uh, analysis paralysis when it comes to like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to start my business. I'm going to start selling on eBay. I'm going to start, okay, well, what items do I sell? And and you do nothing. You spend so much mm-hmm, time mm-hmm, like spending mm-hmm. there. And I feel like you can almost have that like fear paralysis too of, 
of what if things go really, really bad. And I think, I think all you can do is be wise enough to, to try and cover as many bases of possible things, but not, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd be too worried. I mean, cause if the bank, it's one of those things where it's like, if, if there's a bank run and our entire economy collapses, I don't think anything that we're doing on eBay and our stuff we have is going to matter anyways, you know? Like, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. But, but what if it's a week? What if it's two weeks? Right. Cause even, even if this money is insured, you're not going to get that money the next day. I know, I know the promise for the weekend was that all depositors of SVB were going to get their money on Monday. And I don't know. I haven't seen enough that says that everybody did, but you just got to be wise. Now, granted, all those people that lost their money, I would say most of those people were wealthy and, and elite. And, it, you know, that that's probably why the government stepped in. But uh, you just got to be ready. Just got to be ready. All right. Hey, on a lighter note, uh, you, you always know when there's tragedy, eBay sellers are there to make that profitable. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, silly Silicon Valley bank items hit eBay days after collapse. Smart, man. And uh, it's kind of like Enron. Do you know, yeah, like an Enron, Enron mug? Yep. Sells for good money now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, because it, it's, here's the thing is like when you're in the midst of like a tragedy or something that's like, I don't know if I'd necessarily call this a tragedy. This is like, a, you know, it's devastating. It's, but when you're in the midst of something, it's sometimes you get so focused, but you don't realize like 20 years from now, 30 years from now, this is going to be history. This is going to be things that people are going to be talking about. Like Enron is still talked about. There's movies made about it, right? So yeah, if you've got anything like that, it may not be necessarily collectible now, but at some point it won't. And I'll never forget I think I was in a, it was my economy class and they, we were talking about stock market and the, I don't know the, the tr how truthful this is, but the teacher said that there was a period of time when Enron crashed and like the stock, you know, obviously went down to nothing that almost like, it, I, now that I look back, it was almost like the original Reddit um, meme stock thing where a bunch of people bought a ton of Enron at basically pennies mm -hmm. and it started to go up from like eight cents a share to like, you know, a dollar a share. And then... And then it crashed again. But there was a period of time where people were like able to capitalize on the fact that this is basically free. Might as well put 200 bucks in it and see what happens. And so, you know, like people, people are going to think about those things. So how much, is it, how much are they selling for? So there's a few things. So there are some employees that were trying to sell like a coffee mug and a shirt, like a combo deal. Employees right? doing it. Yeah, no, there were employees. Hey guys, I'm out of a job. You want to buy my mug? Yeah. So let me read this. This is uh, from uh, Fox business. Uh, so there's print on demand. Here you go. For instance, an SVB hat and tumbler combo had already gotten over a dozen bids, pushing its asking price to a hundred dollars. Uh, and then I love how they put in the news report. The items are described as authentic and guaranteed to be limited edition. Mm. Now the hardcore people that did print on demand started working at it. And they had like these, you know, like marathon run shirts, like 250 K bank run shirts. That's pretty or funny. like SVBC There's risk creative people out there. There are some super creative people. I, but again, so in the reality thing, you do got to think about these things because I, I do think that Silicon Valley items will be worth something maybe in 20 years, 30 years. I mean, obviously, I'm not telling you to go out there and buy a box and just hold it for 30 years. Like, kids, it's time to pay for college. Like, that's not going to happen. Well, probably we, we're seeing the spike now. You know what I mean? Like the, the increase where people are 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 gambling on the fact that it might be worth something i think the chance of it actually being worth a bunch of money later is, is less likely but that it's the excitement of something new something potential like oh this might be worth something yeah so i think we're it's like we're at the peak potentially there, there's a, again it's like i've always said and i know this is gonna sound terrible when people die you probably have one day to make a good profit on items related to that person 
So just think about that. All right. Hey, uh, some interesting things developing with eBay. Uh, have you been getting those offers that say the buyer will be charged automatically yeah. after accepting? Yeah. For wow. a while now. Really? I thought we talked about it. Yeah. No, no, a, no. The, the message before was this buyer has put their uh, pre has pre inputted their info. And sometimes you would get payment and sometimes you wouldn't. That's what happened to me. Uh, I know. I mean, the, the the messages I always had were this this buyer selected the, you know, payment. You will be paid if you accept this offer. Yeah. See, I haven't. That's new. For me, it's new. Huh. Now, I'm still getting the, if you accept this, the buyer will pay in four days. But I have hope. Now, the interesting thing is, is that I post this on Instagram. Some people are telling me, yeah, it said I'll get automatically charged and it never happened. Or I, it said I would get out, they would get automatically charged and it took eight hours for payment to come through. And so I, I think eBay though is getting there. So, you know, somebody had said, Hey, maybe they listen to the podcast. I don't know if that's the reason why, but I, I'm hoping this is the, the start of a new beginning. Now, some fascinating stuff here from the recent uh, eBay seller check-in. So uh, they had a bunch of breakout sessions. You can check out the readers on YouTube. I just wanted to share one of them because it was some information that kind of changed the way we we do things too. So there was one about listing, like how to make the optimal uh, listing. And so a few things they said. Number one, they said in the title, it should be as if you were telling somebody what you have. Right? So don't go to somebody go, you know, I don't know, shoe, red, inbox like it should be like you know nike shoe size blah blah men's or whatever way you would communicate to somebody that's how it should be listed i mean i don't know if that makes sense yeah so so you're just listing it more of a um an informal less yeah that makes sense and they also had said that new with tags and and new inbox like the nwt or M nib doesn't matter at all so don't use those characters i'm still going to use it because i have a lot of uh repeat sellers and people that follow that would look at that first but uh they're saying like it doesn't it's not going to change anything because if it's already listed it as new. new like it, it's already going to pop up as new yeah because i i always just look at the like Underneath the title, yeah, it's new, new, yeah, yeah. pre-owned. Uh, so that's what I look at, and I think probably more and more people are doing that instead of yeah, trying to shove all that stuff in the yeah in the title itself. Well, and interesting, like apostrophes, right? Do you put an apostrophe? Do you not? And they said it doesn't matter. Apostrophe or comma? Apostrophe. Like if you were nineteen nineties. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? And so I never put the apostrophe because I want to use that character space. So. It reinforced what I knew. So, you know, don't worry about apostrophes. This one was interesting. Um, well, they said take pictures like a buyer. I thought that was pretty interesting. Take a pictures like a buyer. And meaning like what is a buyer looking for if they didn't have a description? If all you had was pictures, how would you take a picture to sell something? Right. And for us, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But if you're new, right, I always tell people like take your pictures up close Highlight what makes that thing valuable. Like if you're taking a picture of a shirt, don't don't make your first picture the whole shirt. Make it the top half of the shirt where it shows the design. It shows the color. It shows, you know, all the aspects of the shirt. If you're selling shoes, show the best side of that shoe. If you're selling uh, a toy, make sure it's up close, not far away. Right. So think about those things. And this one is a new one. White background does not matter anymore. So Google has changed. Google now accepts all backgrounds. 
I love the idea. <laughs> Google has become inclusive in listings. I've kind of feel like I've been I've been saying for a long time that it's probably not as important because I don't think most people. I mean, you probably do get occasional sales of somebody that's searching on Google, uh, but I feel like it's probably such a small percentage that it, it it's not it's not make or break. I think the all white background looks really nice for a lot of items. Look, make sure item look more professional. Um, I've always said there's certain items that you know people buy and they're probably expecting it to look like someone took a picture of it in their garage as opposed to you know like you're buying it from somebody who's professional like if you're like a collector of something or you're buying like old car parts or you know whatever it is you, you, you need totally, to get some grease oil on the hands yeah, yeah you kind of expect that like hey this is like somebody's item because I've, I've i've said before too that certain things like i would rather buy from the original owner who's just selling something of theirs they have than from a reseller because the reseller doesn't know like they don't know like does it clank when it does this or like they don't know all the details they haven't been using it they don't love the item they just bought it at a thrift store or a garage sale they maybe tested if they know about the niche but like like even like a vcr when i test a vcr that i'm gonna list it's like put a, a tape in press play all right it's playing fast forward okay it rewinds i'm not i usually never test the record feature but if you're buying it from the buyer itself and they have in their comments like everything works sometimes when you're fast forwarding it like skips and like you have to press the fast forward button twice and it's like all right now i know i'm buying something exactly what i'm getting because i'm buying it from from the owner and not from a reseller mm -hmm. so there may be certain items where but i do think the white background looks more professional for most items i like to have it there um so oh, that's cool that's a cool update yeah i mean it's it makes sense i mean i i've seen you know a lot of resellers that do very well without the white background. Now this this validates, yeah. right? So that's good, and that's pretty much that's our reseller topics. Now, let's talk about things you should be on the lookout for. Somebody had messaged me and said they didn't know what bolos meant, and to explain on the podcast. So if you're new, whenever we say bolo, we're talking about items that you should be on the lookout for because they're profitable. Yeah. Bolo, 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 bolo. What's your bolo? What's your bolo, Mike? Yeah. All right. So our bolo is uh, my bolo um, is going to be Bose speakers. Now, I've sold many, many Bose speakers since I've started reselling. And in fact, that was one of the first things like I knew was valuable because it kind of everybody knows. Like if you go to a, a thrift store, you can see speakers on the wall. And unless you're like a an audio head and you really know an audio file and you really know like what's valuable, what's vintage, what's good, like what years, what components, all of those things. If you're just the average consumer, you it all kind of just looks like junk. But even if something kind of looks like junk and it says bows on it, even in a thrift store, it's probably gonna have a pretty good hefty tag on it. It's gonna, the price is gonna be pretty good because people know like that's just a brand. Everybody, they, they have such a good reputation. And I think there are brands that sound better, but I think like for just the basic consumer, like the average person who doesn't know a lot about audio equipment, that Bose has developed a reputation of being a high quality sound product, a good product. and so even older stuff, even things that, um, you know, might be from 10, 20, 30 years ago can still sell really well. Uh, if it's Bose, if it's got that Bose, obviously you don't want it to be in like complete junk broken down, but even things that aren't working like four parts, because if somebody might have, you know, a Bose surround system and they just need to replace two components or are, are breaking on theirs and you're listed yours for parts and they might be like, Hey, I just need one of those little satellite things to work. Um, and so I don't mind buying this for parts at a huge discount because I love this system and this is the system I want. So definitely have sold them, you know, for parts only or um, untested. Now, one of the ones that I pick up a lot when I first started reselling, and I, I think they still do sell. I don't think they sell for quite as much, though, are the ones that had like the iPhone or the iPod jacks on mm -hmm. the top. 
Um, it's a little bit more specific, uh, but you know, occasionally if somebody still has, it's one of those things like people, people have, I, I have found old iPods and it's like kind of cool to go through and like, listen to like all the music that I used to have on it. And you know, more, there's a lot of people who don't want to deal, especially if you're a little older and you're like, I don't want to figure out, you know, Spotify and all that stuff and paying for it. And I just have my, have my playlist and I like my playlist and I want to be able to put my playlist on the thing. And this is my and you probably have, if you're a listener, maybe you have some parents out there, some grandparents out there who are like that, where, you know, you're trying to tell them like, you can just go on YouTube and listen to this music. And they're like, no, I have my, I have my player. I want to play my music. So they still do sell. Um, not like they used to, but there still is a market for the iPod ones. Uh, so yeah, just, I think it's like a, a obvious bolo. It's one of those things like I almost feel foolish saying bows because I feel like everybody knows, but you know, it's one of those things where you might think maybe it's too saturated. Maybe they don't sell like they used to. But if you see bows, it's worth the lookup. Not all of them sell, but enough of them do that you're probably going to be profitable. Yeah, my experience has been if I buy them low enough, especially like the wave music systems, yeah. they usually sell 24 to 48 hours for me. They sell quick? Yeah. Pretty quick. I mean, even the remotes, I mean, all different. So always do a lookup, but yeah, definitely a, a bolo. Hey, I, I'm pretty sure we haven't mentioned that bolo since episode like eight or something yeah we're, we're going back we're going I'm, back I'm all right so mine is i think you had mentioned this as a bolo one time yeah. you did yeah so Absolutely. i want to reinforce it so i was at a garage sale and it was interesting because i bought these but i i was like why am i buying these i think i might talked about them at one point but i knew they were vintage because they had been there, somebody's dad's garage, and they didn't know what they were selling, so they they just were offloading everything, and they had some pool stuff which I wanted to buy, but they wanted too much for it. But these, they gave me for a great price, so I bought four uh, discs. So what what do you call for disc golf? For disc golf, yeah. for three dollars, and uh, so what is that like seventy something cents each? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I listed them and they were trashed. Like, and I'll show this on Instagram. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, we're Piozo Podcast on all social media. We're Piozo Cast on Twitter. Uh, so check out, uh, so you can p- p- visualize what these were. So I bought these discs and they were beat up. They had like scuffs. They, you know, they probably hit trees multiple times. Uh, they had marker on them, people's names on them. I mean, they're rough. And sure enough, I listed them. And within 24 hours, I sold two of them uh, for a total of $65 plus shipping. That's crazy. Right? I, I didn't think I, I like I looked at comps. And I'm like, no way. And sure enough, like no. within 24 hours. That, that's pretty. It's pretty crazy because disc golf is like one of those things like the discs hold their value pretty well. Um, you can get typically you can get new discs anywhere from. 15 bucks to like 30 bucks at like big five or something like that. Okay. Um, and they have, or, you know, Dick's sporting goods or any kind of sporting good place. Um, and there's different types of plastics. There's different things, but again, it's, it's such a specialized sport. I, I think we talked about this with, um, like golf balls and golf equipment. Like people know what, what they're into and what mm-hmm. they want. Um, disc golf is such a specialized sport where people, different discs have different weights to them. Like th- you can get the exact same disc and they have, they make them in different weights. Um, and there's lots of different discs. And so uh, a putter isn't just a putter. There's di- like Innova, one of the brands, and then there's Discraft, another brand. Each of them have like probably four or five signature putters and four or five signature mid range and four or five. So there's different types. And then, then they have like the kind of more niche ones, like these ones turn this way, these ones. So if somebody has one and they know like this one from this, like, I know I can throw it this far. I've tried the new ones and the plastics different and things are, so people know what they want. And so 
you could potentially find ones where there's a market for it, where people are like, they used to make them better or the plastic was a little bit more flimsy. And some people like them broke in too. Like once a disc, once a disc breaks in, once it gets a little bit more flexible, it's the flight pattern changes. And so if you've been using a disc that you've thrown a thousand times and it's hit a hundred trees, uh, it's going to fly and have a different flight pattern than one that you just bought from the store. And so some people are willing to get one kind of broken in because it's going to be more hmm. familiar to the flight pattern that they're used to. Interesting. Well, keep an eye out for uh, a Nova championship disc yeah. out there. I, I got to tell you, I was in shock. When I did my Instagram story on that haul, I, I, I was like, I don't even know why I picked these up. And sure enough, I ended up paying for everything I picked up that day. Yeah, mine, mine I, I can kick myself. I almost bought, so there was 300 discs in wow. like two different bags. So like 150 in each mm -hmm. bag because they have disc golf bags too. You can carry their like your little. And I want to say it was like 200 bucks on offer up. And I was looking at them like, should I get these? I don't know. And then I'm like looking at comps. I'm like, yeah, most of them will sell for like at least five bucks. Like this, I think this is like a really killer deal. And then I was like looking where it's located. I'm like, man, it's like almost two hours away. It's like an hour and a half away, maybe. So I'm like, it's kind of far. Should I message them? And I'm like, I'll, I'll do it in the morning. And then in the morning, they were gone. That listing was gone. It was something like that. Like this, I can't remember the exact story, but I, I, I thought about it and I was thinking about doing it and I missed it. And then now I'm like, that would have been like one of the halls I'd be talking about all the time. Like one of my best halls ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and the, by the way, these were vintage ones from the 90s. So I think that's why there's also collector value to them. So keep an eye. All right. Hey, before we move on, a place that you can definitely source these days is whatnot. Uh, a lot of people are trying to offload inventory. Orlando might be trying to offload inventory here pretty soon. Uh, so go on over uh, to our link below. Uh, get that free $15 for your first purchase. Helps you out, helps us out. And, uh, you know, you don't have to spend on anything I sell or Mike sells. You can go buy something from someone else uh, and that $15 is available to you. So make sure to sign up via our link uh, for when I get that free $15 credit. Yeah. All right. What are you looking forward to here? Um, I'm hoping if all things go well, because I don't think this Saturday I can do garage sales, which is a bit of a bummer, but I think I'm going to use some of my Saturday time, uh, maybe a little bit on Friday, kind of going through and preparing for a swap meet, um, being a vendor at a swap meet. Okay. So I'm trying to offload a bunch of stuff. And I talked about it, like organizing last time was like my, uh, what I was looking forward to. So I've already started that process. Um, and then now I've got the date, like, okay, this coming, this coming week on a Sunday, I'm going to go to the swap meet, uh, trying to offload as much as I can, uh, just because with an upcoming move, I don't want to be bringing inventory that was either, I don't want to say bad buys, but just not as profitable. Cause like I, I'm almost thinking, and if you, if you're small on inventory or short on inventory space, then, um, this is something you almost think about, but like, what is the price per square inch that I can get mm -hmm. for this item? Now I don't do the math exactly, but like if I've got a huge item and it sells for $10 and I've got something the size of my cell phone, it sells for $40. If I'm moving across the country, I want a bunch of the small items and not like a bunch of big items, even if it's not a big deal to hold now in my, my storage. So I want to get rid of things, even if they're profitable, even if I could sell it for 40, 50 bucks on eBay, but if it's going to take up a lot of square footage in my, you know, trailers and U-Haul, then I want to get rid of it now, even if I take a loss or break even on it. So yeah, yeah swap me, upcoming swap me. Um, I'll probably, it might take some videos while I'm out there and make a little uh, YouTube about it. So nice, yeah. Thanks. All right. So I'm traveling again. Um, I got some college trips with my oldest. And so I'm just looking forward to sourcing out there. Uh, you know, usually I find that sourcing outside of where I live has not been good for me. It's mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Um, I have scored every once in a while and I think it's not good for me because you know where to go, right? Where you live, you know where to go and find those deals. This one, it's kind of, 
you know, you just wherever you land and, you know, you don't know where everything is, but uh, kind of looking forward to that. Uh, I haven't haven't done that in a little while. I did do that a little bit in San Francisco, I guess, a few weeks ago and and had some scores, not too many. Uh, and this next trip, you know, I'll be out in, in parts of the Midwest. So seeing what I find out there. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to things rebounding. April is usually a pretty good month for me. I, I got to tell you that that four weeks, it wasn't even four weeks of February. Right. We had maybe three weekends in February. So weekends are pretty good for me. So that hurts. So I'm looking forward to having two good months on eBay in March and April. Uh, you know, all depends on how things go here on a macro level. But I do think sales are going to come back up. I think people are going to start doing their tax returns. And so I'm hoping that things will, you know, get to the next level again. So anyways, hopefully this episode, uh, you know, you're able to glean a lot, whether it be you know how to prepare for worst case scenario, how to do great listings, how to avoid being babies, whatever it is. Hopefully it helped you out. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Late. Peace.